Wow. Very honoring. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, like John said, my name is Sandra Sermley, and I do want to give a shout out to my wonderful husband, Nick Sermley, and our and our little one. I have an almost seven month old, Lydia, Lydia Grace Sermley, and they are a huge reason why I'm able to be up here today um, sharing because they are a part of joy that God has given given me in my life, and so. Um, this morning, it's really interesting, um, they asked me to preach, and at first I turned them down, I was like, no. And um, it was me, I, honestly, it was just me being lazy. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, especially when, you know, you're on like a few hours of sleep, I'm learning this motherhood thing, you know, I'm like, why can't you give me just five minutes to meditate on the Lord? You know, and the baby's like, yeah! <laughs> you know, and so, um, but then I was up, I was worshiping one Sunday, and I felt like the Lord said, no, I didn't say no. You said no. I want you to preach, and I want you to preach on joy. And I was like, okay. And so I emailed, I wrote an email that said, retraction, I will preach. <laughs> and so um, I'm really grateful that they, they let me. Um, but it was really interesting. So when I finally said yes, I had a couple weeks to really meditate and think on this concept. And that week was one of the hardest weeks that I've experienced in a long time. It's really funny. It's, isn't it funny to start off a sermon on joy with tears? It's going to be kind of fitting as you, as we unpack this today. And I had a hard week. I had some family things that are, that have continued from my father having a brain injury that are still, that's still continuing and it's hard and it resurfaced it and reminded me again how far he's come, but how, how far away he was from the man I grew up and loved. Um, just some sad things with my sister. Um, I was a huge grump all week. You know how you just have those weeks where you're like, who is this person? You're like having out-of-body experiences. My poor husband. I'm all like, and he's like, what's going on? You know, and I'm just like, who am I? just grumpy. I got my feelings hurt because of Instagram. You know, everybody's life looks so fun and wonderful. And you're like, they're out partying. I'm home alone. You know, and I'm like, what is going on? What is going on in me? You know, you know you're in trouble when you get your feelings hurt off Instagram, right? But, um, but I felt like the Lord said, Sandra. I want to teach you about joy. I want to show you what joy is. And it's not what we think. It really isn't. Honestly, it really has nothing to do with happiness. And that's kind of was like, okay. I'm like, what? Joy is happiness. I thought, there, you know, you, you get joyful, you get happy. But the Lord said, no, I've got something deeper. I want to show you the deep, deep joy that remains, that lasts. And so... Today, unfortunately, I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk to you about how to get happy. Because honestly, happiness is fleeting, right? I want to use a funny example. How many of you remember Walkmans? Oh, yeah. You were so happy when you got that Walkman, right? Just tape in, grooving. Okay, then a Walkman wasn't enough. The next thing, the Discman, right? Kind of big, you know, you try to jog with it. It was like so huge, you know. Oh, but then the Discman wasn't good enough. We've got the iPod. Changed the world, right? So happy I got an iPod. Then that wasn't enough. You had the iPod shuffle. Then you had your iPhone. And then it's like iPhone 4, iPhone 5, iPhone 420. I mean, it's going to, this side of heaven, it's just going to keep going. And just like that technology, happiness is the same way. You get something, it loses its luster. You get something else, you're so happy, it loses its luster. And it just keeps happening. And it just keeps happening. And it just keeps happening. That's why God's saying there's something deeper for us. There's something deeper. It's joy. And this morning, that's what I want us to unpack. So, 
going to, if you have your Bibles, and we also are going to have it on the screen, I want to talk about this morning about a joy that isn't fleeting, rather a joy that anchors us, a joy that keeps us, at, when we grab it, at a deeper level that brings power, power for our lives. And so open your Bibles. Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, and the verses we're going to be specifically looking at are verses 6 through 11, and then we're going to jump and look at verses 16 through 18. So read along with me. First, I mean, sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroy, we, destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Jump down to, to verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we are outwardly, we are wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, I'm sorry, but what is unseen is eternal. So this morning, I want us to look at this passage. And together, it's my hope. And my objective, really, to unpack the deep truth and the, about biblical joy. Okay? And so, to do that, I'm going to start us off by defining it. You've got you to know what biblical, deep, biblical joy, joy is, to, to define it, to know what it is. But then, I want to say, okay, now that we've just defined it, where is it birthed? Where does it come from? And then, what does it look like in our lives? Okay? And then finally, all right, so if I know where it's birthed, I know what it looks like in my life. What is it like practically? I want us to think of it like a tree. I'm very visual. I'm a visual person. So think of it like a tree. We're, we're talking about this deep joy, and we first want to start with the roots. Where is it rooted really deeply? Where, where, that's, that's the point. Where does it start? Then, what's the fruit of it? What is the fruit of joy in our lives? And finally, like you know, trees got roots, trees got fruit. You can take a piece of fruit and eat it. So what does it taste like? What does this deep biblical joy taste like in our lives? And I think that 2 Corinthians is going to show us exactly that. All right, so let's define what joy is. Let's read again 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at specifically verses 7 through 10. All right, it says, But we have these treasures in jars of clay to show that this power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, Persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, so think about this. What are we reading here? Okay, so we're hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. That doesn't sound very happy, does it? That doesn't really sound like happiness. But the great thing is, that's not the end of the story. We're not abandoned. We're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're not destroyed. And that is the end of the story. And that is where we're going to find joy. Because if we think about it, keep reading, it says in verse 10, 
Um, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though we're outwardly wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So guys, this deep joy that we're talking about is this intersection of our weakness, okay? I don't have to go, I don't have to convince you guys that life is hard. We all know it. Some of us painfully so, right? But what this is saying is there's this intersection of our weakness of what's hard, but then there's this resurrection life that we have. And when those two come together and we recognize that, it's that place, that knowledge that brings joy. That intersecting point is what I want to say is the joy that we can find in our lives. And from there, we can then say, okay, well, let's look at it. Let's look at what, what, why would that be joy? How is that, how is that pan out? All right. So let's start with the root level, the gospel. Okay. So just like my tree example, I'm saying we've got weakness. We've got resurrection life. So then what is, what is this root? What is the gospel? Well, turn with me. Because um, my point is to know joy is to know the gospel. Okay? So we're looking at 2 at Corinthians. I want you to look at specifically at verse 6. It says, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. All right. What are we getting at? Well, I'm going to have us jump to the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to look at verse 14 and 15. This is what, this is what, what he's talking about. We have revelation of what Christ did, and this is what that passage says. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's keep going. It's really good. We've got to keep going. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And let's jump to the last, last verse in that chapter. God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see this? Guys, true joy at the deepest level is the gospel. We are guilty, shameful, dirty. We could not do it. But God did it for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just that Jesus Christ died It was that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And guys, if we're going to look at joy as truth about our reality and resurrection life, we have to know the power of what Jesus did on the cross and then what what happened when he rose from the grave. Some of you guys need to hear this today. He won. He won. He won. And that is what brings us joy. I can't remember one of the songs that talked about that. I was just all like, that's my sermon. That's my sermon. Anyway, so, you know, and that's the root. That's the root. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. If you guys haven't taken a hold of that, joy's not going to get you that far. The joy, the void of the gospel is not going to really get you anywhere. It's, it, it has no feet. 
It's not powerful. And so this morning, I'd be remiss to talk about joy if I didn't talk about Jesus. I didn't talk about what he did, his death and his resurrection, and what that resurrection life brings to us. So, death is in us so that life can be revealed in us as well. And we see that in verse 10. The reason we have joy in our hearts that keeps us anchored is because of his resurrection life. Okay? So, let's keep going. We see, again, back to the tree example, we see we're rooted in joy because of the gospel. Now let's talk about the fruit. So what does the fruit of this deep joy look like in our lives? And I want to say that the fruit of joy in our lives is a hope that keeps us afloat in life's circumstances. That's what it is. The fruit of deep joy is being able to acknowledge that joy and sadness coexist. That joy and suffering, they coexist. You know, think about verse 16 we read. It says, we do not lose heart. Even though we are wasting away outwardly, inwardly we're being renewed. That's two things. Wasting away isn't a joyful thing. Just think about it. Like, people don't love to waste away. I I don't, at least. You know, but here it says, no, you're being renewed. Two things are happening. It's really interesting. When Nick, I, I did my sermon for my husband last night, which was really Really nice and funny at the same time. And he said something to me about a tree. He's like, well, if you're going to use an example for a tree, a tree is a perfect example. On the outside, it's dead. But on the inside is where all the life is happening. And I was like, well, you get it, you know? And it's true. If we think about it, I mean, um, he's like, you don't have to use that, but I'm going to use that, honey. That's true, right? Bark is dead. That's wasting away. But inside is where all the life is happening in a tree. It's the same with us. The fruit of joy is that truth. And it's a joy that lasts because our joy isn't based on circumstances, you know? You see, the opposite of joy isn't sadness. That would, the, opposite, the opposite of joy is hopelessness. It's really the opposite of joy. Because honestly, life can't be void of sadness. It's just a reality. It's a part of the fallen world that we live in. To try to make it not sad would be impossible and probably unhealthy. And that sometimes is what we need to realize. That we experience deep joy in our hearts doesn't mean that we won't be sad. We won't be hurting. We won't get our feelings hurt on Instagram. We won't, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's. It means, really, that we still have hope. That deep joy means that no matter the circumstances, we're staying afloat because we've tapped into hope. That intersection of weakness and resurrection life is hope. It's hope. It's not not acting like it's not there. And honestly, guys, Christianity is not a happy pill. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, the minute you receive Christ and walk in him, you're going to be happy. It's actually quite the opposite. I mean, if you look at key people of the scripture, Paul, I mean, the guy was shipwrecked, flogged, imprisoned, whatever. It doesn't seem very happy, right? But he had a joy that compelled him to keep going. I mean, the key figure in scripture is labeled a man of sorrows. Jesus was a man of sorrows. But it talks about, for the joy set before him, what he did on the cross. And we're going to look at that again. And we just have to realize that. And I I think it's hard. I think it's hard. To do that, because sometimes the sadness and the suffering speak so much louder, right? They speak so much louder. Sometimes I'm like, hey, God, can you just shout hope a little bit louder? Because this is really screaming, and it's like, you can do it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, 
I think I hear you, God. This is pretty loud, you know. But that's true. Sometimes we've got to we've got to say we've got to say, Lord, where are you even whispering hope sometimes in my life? Because it's there. It's what we have. It's what God says. And then the great thing I want us to, to think about too in this passage, in verse 17, we're it says our light and momentary troubles, sorry, I just lost my place. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. So it's not for naught. It's not just like, oh, God just likes to make me suffer because he just does that. No, there is truth and that there is an eternal glory. And when it talks about the Greek, when, it, when it's talking about this word glory, it's talking about honor. It's talking about praise. It's talking about worship. And we're not talking any kind of vanilla glory. We're talking something that outweighs them all. And sometimes that's what we've got to remember. It may not feel like it right now, but we are promised a glory in our hope and in our seeking joy that will outweigh them all. It's eternal. Um, there's a popular psalm. Um, I'm going to have her put up there. Psalm 35, 30 verse 5. That says, weeping may last for the night, but joy, rejoicing comes in the morning. And while this is a very, very encouraging psalm, it's, it's a famous one. I'm sure many of you have heard it. Um, and it is encouraging that, hey, new days bring new mercies. But I also want to submit to you guys that it's also deeper than that. How many of you have had a Monday morning? Are you waking up rejoicing? I don't know about you, but that's really hard for me. And while this verse, yes, is about the day-to-day new things that can happen, it's also deeper. Because what it's saying is sorrow may last for the night, but it ends. Joy comes in the morning. It's joy that remains. I call this, I call this a Monday morning kind of joy. Because I, many of you know what it's like to go to bed sad, hurting, suffering, and to wake up the exact same way, right? So take this, take this verse to a new level and say, no. It's not about the temporary, even though it is. It's also about the eternal, that, that this will not last. Joy will remain because of the power of Jesus, his victory and his resurrection life for me. Amen? And honestly, guys, um, I really had to experience this in a new way. Um, as many of you know, a few years ago, we had a big transition in our church. A lot of people moved. A lot of people moved on. And in that transition, I probably had about five of my bestest friends move. And I I have deep relationships that are still here. So this is not speaking to what is here, but I, it was hard. I think, I think even now I'm, I'm just, I'm really just recovering from it because here was this group of people that knew me, understood, understood me, accepted me. I could be weird and not explain, you know, those kind of friends. So they're like, yeah, we have, I have hit, had history with this, with, with this crew, but you know what? God started to show me. And, and honestly, when they moved, I really felt like I had lost a part of myself. I, I really thought that it's gone. That person that who Sandra used to be is gone because these friends are, of mine are gone. And honestly, God had to show me. He's like, you have an idol. And your friends are that idol. Because you think if you had all this group together, you, you would still be happy. You, they, they brought you this happiness. And friends bring happiness. I'm not, I'm not saying that. God puts things in our lives to make us happy. I'm not talking about, like, get rid of everything that makes you happy. You know what I mean? Like, you can still eat ice cream. You can still enjoy, enjoy your friends, enjoy the flowers. But they're not meant to fill you up. They're not. They can't. My husband can't. 
while wonderful, what I long for, what I believe for, cannot fill me if I make him an idol. My friends could not fill me because I was making them an idol. And the Lord showed me that. He did. And it was hard. And, um, and honestly, what are idols? Idols are things that you rely on other than God in your life. And you're thinking, okay, well, what, what would be an idol? All right, well, fill in the blank. If I had this, I would be happy. If this would happen, I would be happy. And that might be an idol. Now, you might be thinking, if I had a bowl of ice cream, I'd be happy. Uh, obviously. But I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And we have to say those things don't work. That's what idols do. They string us along. They string us along. And they string us along. They're Walkman. They're Discman. They're iPods. They're, and they don't work. That's what they do. They last for a moment. And then it's gone. And sometimes we're, we're here and then we go here because they don't work. And then we go here and we go here. And the thing is, when God says to us, you are not in despair, you are not destroyed, You're, you have these promises at the intersection of what's hard and what's life. And so I just wanted to, to speak to idols because they really do come at the fruit of joy in our lives. They really do rob us often of what joy brings. And I had to have God tell me, hey, these, this is a wonderful thing, but I'm about eternity. I remember God telling me, in, in eternity, there is eternal Panera where you can sit forever and talk with your friends. And I was like, glory. You know what I mean? But, but you have, sometimes you have to have that eternal perspective. You know, you may, you may long for this or long for that. And that's okay. But we cannot make those things our idols. We've got to think about the eternity of it. And so it really is a mindset renewal. It really is a perspective change. You know, when we think about it, we have to think about that verse 16 and 17. Though we are outwardly wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed every day. Our troubles are light and momentary and achieving for us an eternal glory. That's why we don't lose heart. We have a glory that outweighs them all. And so I'm not saying to ignore your suffering and I'm not really trying to demean anyone's hardship in here. There are hard things that are going on. But I want to ask you, in light of what's going on, to ask yourself, am I relying on God or am I relying on this idol? Am I really taking it to God, allowing him to bring joy in that intersection about what's true about resurrection life and what's true about what's going on with me and cultivate this place of hope? Ask yourself that. Think about that. And also, some of us really need to hear this. We need to really hear that joy and suffering coexist. We really need to hear that jo joy and sadness coexist. I mean, we all know what it's like to be on the rat race. To be like, okay, I'm not sad. I'm not sad. I'm not sad. I am sad. I'm not sad. I am sad. You know what I mean? And it's like, Whoa. But some of us need to hear that. That God is with us in our sadness. God is with us in our suffering. We need to know that. Because we need to know, because he's with us, that's why we have joy. I'm William Blake who's a famous English poet, if you think back to your high school days or college for you English majors, he wrote a poem that I think is, that I think is really neat. It's from his, um, I'm not going to say it right, but Auguries of Innocence. And I have it up here, and I, and I thought it was uh, really poignant. It says, Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine. Under every grief and pine runs a thread of silk and twine. It is right, it should be so. That man was made for joy and woe. And when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. You see, our pain and our joy is a fact 
but it's meant to draw us to God. Are you allowing him to draw you in those places? Or are you frantically ridding yourself, frantically looking for the idols to fill that void? So now what? You're like, okay, Sandra, I'm getting it. I'm getting what the fruit looks like. I've got the root of the tree that is based in the gospel and the resurrection life of Jesus. I'm getting that the fruit is about um, having this joy that keeps me afloat no matter what the circumstances. So now what? What, what happens on Monday morning? You know, what's, what does Monday morning joy look like? Or what do you even do with that deep thing going on maybe in your heart? So now I want us to taste and see. Okay, we've got this fruit. What does it look like to taste it in our lives? And so I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 4.18. And it says for us, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And guys, to taste the goodness that comes from the fruit of joy, we must develop the discipline of joy. You think about it. It says we fix our eyes. That's an action. We fix our eyes. The word here, the word fix here means to like take aim, to consider, to focus, to take heed. And the unseen, okay, so I'm, okay, I'm fixing my eyes on something I can't see that kind of can't see, that kind of feels counterintuitive, right? Like, I'm fixing my eyes on nothing. You know what I mean? No, but there is something. And that unseen is the truth about joy. You know, it's not our idols that bring us fleeting happiness, but it's the deep joy that comes from faith and resolve that the truth of Jesus' resurrection life is for us. Right? And it's also a practice state of mind. You know, like, to de- develop this discipline of joy We've got to work on it because it's gradual. I mean, think about Olympians. There's a, probably a lot of people in this room that can run, that can swim. Some of you may be able to flip, right? But who in here is an Olympian? Because I really would like to meet you. No. No one here is. That doesn't mean you can't run, swim, and flip. But Olympians have resolved. They are disciplined. They are dedicated. They are committed to running and flipping and whatever. I mean, I can do a cartwheel. You wouldn't want to see it. I can do a cartwheel but I'm not an Olympian. But who's to say that if I didn't work on it, I wouldn't be. I didn't have that result. The same thing is with joy. We've got to do the things that work on that joy in our lives. Some of those things are being dedicated to thankfulness. Thankfulness. Persevering in prayer. That's hard. Believe me. Even this morning, I felt the Lord was like, you haven't persevered in this area. I'm like, oh, you know. And, and then even patience and suffering. Those are things that when we are dedicated to those things, when we work on those things, when we stay patient, we stay persevering, when we stay thankful, we see that joy happening. It starts to happen. We, we realize our weakness. We realize the power of Jesus' life. And we start to see joy. We start to see hope growing, growing in our hearts and, and, it, and it happening, you know? And, yeah, and I, I kind of want to leave you guys with a poignant example the best, the best example being from the Bible. The people that we see that lived this. That lived this perseverance, this dedication to the promise. And it's in Hebrews 12. So flip with me. I've got to get there. And Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes, there it is again, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy no joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you see, this great cloud of witnesses, they're not just any old people. In Hebrews 11, which we don't have time to go through, these are major people of the faith. He goes through and talks about who these cloud of witnesses are. We're talking people like Abraham and Sarah. We're talking about Noah and Moses and Rahab. And then a whole bunch of unnamed people who were tortured, destitute, persecuted, put to death, and yet never saw the promise in this lifetime. Never saw the promise. But they endured because what they did have was a mindset of eternity, a mindset of joy that let, that let them experience <laughs> death, destitution, torture, all that kind of stuff. And guys, that is how we know joy is our strength. That really is. Have you heard that, that thing? Joy is going to be our strength. Like, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? I laugh so hard that I lift something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, no, joy is our strength. When we get to, to look and see what God is doing in our lives in this intersection, as well as what has, God has done as we read the scripture, as we see this cloud of witnesses. Guys, in this room, there are, there are people that are a part of that cloud of witnesses. You have people. That's what's so beautiful about the body of Christ. Because you have people that have weathered some storms that can pray for you, that can speak to you, that can say, Hold on, you're staying afloat. I know that wave is big, but our Jesus is more buoyant. You know what I mean? You've got people who have had poundings, poundings and poundings in the seas of this life who are still here to say, God is good. That, that's the cloud of witnesses. Not only do, do we see the Abrahams and the Sarahs and the Moses, we have people in our lives today. And we want to be those people. We can be those people. And I want some of you to hear that today. Sorrow is not going to win in your life. Longing will be fulfilled when you find it in Jesus. In fact, this morning, before, um, before I came to preach, I, I was just worshiping the Lord, and I felt like I was, he kind of um, tapped me on the shoulder about the grumpiness issue. <laughs> like, yeah, remember when I was grumpy? And I felt like the Lord said, Sandra, until you know how much I love you, you're not going to be able to be a nice person. You're really not going to be able to love your husband that well. And you're probably going to be a really grumpy, bitter mother, you know, like, oh, really? You're napping now? It's beautiful out. You know what I mean? And, and I can't, I can't be who I am without knowing what Christ did for me and knowing that love. And that's the same for some of us this morning. We've got to be reminded, reminded again, how much we're loved, how much God is for us. He died on the cross. It says for the joy set before him. He knew, he knew, he knew something. He was onto something. Because he knew his death was going to bring life. And life that lasts. Life that remains. A joy that comes in the morning and doesn't leave. That's for us. That know him. And and walk with him. And so, let's respond. Okay, what do I do? You've talked about the root. 
You talked about the fruit. You talked about how I can taste it. So what about, how, how, how should I interact with this? Well, what is God speaking to you? What is he saying? As I talked, you might have been like, Ding, oh, yeah, oh, oh, that hit that place, you know. What is God speaking? Um, I know when it comes to things like joy and a sermon like joy, it's really broad and really varied because we are all individuals. No two people have the same thing going on in their hearts and in their lives. And so while I want to maybe speak to some responses, I know I'm not going to cover everything in the room. But that's why, that's why God's here. That's why the Holy Spirit's so awesome. I don't have to think of everything, you know, go through a list. Who's dealing with this? You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about this. But I do want to maybe direct us a little bit in how to respond. So the first, when we, and, and back to the tree, when we think about the tree, the root. Maybe some of you in here need to know Jesus Christ who died and rose again and is for your life. Some of you might need to know that. Some of you might be hearing it for the first time. Some of you might be hearing it for the hundredth time. But God wants you to respond to that specific thing. Let him do it. Let him do it. That resurrection life is for you today. Maybe some of you are at the fruit level. You know, maybe the question is, what's robbing your joy? What is this idol that keeps just like eating and not producing? You know, you keep feeding it like, yes, here, take it. And it's not producing what you want. Maybe it's impatience. I don't know. Maybe it's an area of hopelessness. Respond to God in that place. Give it to him. And, you know, then there's the taste. We talked about the tasting it. And maybe today as we respond, um, there comes action. Maybe some, some of us today need repentance and obedience. There's nothing like a clear conscience to bring deep joy, right? And so today it might be God saying, hey, I want you to confess and repent of something, and I want you to walk out in obedience of something. That's going to bring a lot of joy. A lot of joy today. And maybe that's some of the response that some of you need today. But overall, I want us to realize, again, we're weak, he is strong, and we have the hope that will remain. And that's it. And that's why. And that's what we get to celebrate. Then that's why we go, woo, and have the, the other parts of joy that we think about. The, the happiness, the lightness of spirit, the clear conscience, the joy that, that we kind of mark as joy. It comes from those deeper places. And so, this morning, overall, we need to let go and rely on God for joy. We really do. Some of us really do need a rest, restorative work of joy. I needed it. I had to let go. You know, I'm like, here I'm having this sad week and I'm supposed to be joyful. How am I, how am I supposed to preach on joy if I'm not happy? And God's like, oh, let me show you something different. But I let go and I let God tell me about it. And fruit comes from that place. And so, let's do that. Let's do that this morning. And so as the band comes forward, I would love for you to join me in prayer. And what I'm going to do is I am going to read this passage again, 2 Corinthians. And I want you to hear it again. And this time when you hear it, as I read it, I want you to think about the truth that's in it. I want you to think about what wins joy, why we don't lose heart because we're being renewed. And I want us to then say, we will. It's worth it. It's worth it to fix our eyes on Jesus. All right? So join with me in prayer, and I'm going to start off by reading this wonderful, wonderful scripture again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. It's not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. 
we are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Join me in prayer. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you in a powerful way. We, 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 we can't do it. We can't do it. But this morning, we want to fix our eyes on you. Just like it said in Hebrews, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And this morning, you're wanting to write something new in our hearts. You're wanting to perfect something in us. Not because... Because, well, the reason is because we're not perfect and we need you. And we can't do it on our own. Lord knows we tried. We try, we try all the time. We're a fast food kind of people. We want joy. We want it now and we want it our way. But the thing is, we miss out. We miss out on your nearness, on the truth about your character. We miss out on strength. We miss out on joy that can be ours that lasts. We don't want a fleeting happiness that comes from mindless idols that can't do it anyway. We want you. And so, Lord, there's a lot of things going on in this room. There are a lot of people that really need you, that are hurting and need your comfort, that are believing for something and want to see it come through and are just trusting you and need to be bolstered in in faith. We have people that just need to let go and rely on you and be reminded again that that's the place of joy. Would you restore that to us this morning? Would you restore that to us this morning? Lord, we respond to you this morning. And we need you. And you're here for the taking. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us your scriptures, your holy word, to show us these things. We can find these truths and we can meditate on them and they can change our lives. And this morning, we don't want to walk out of here the same person We want to walk out being new, being someone equipped with a tool that gives us the fruit of joy that lasts. I thank you, God. You're good. You're so good to us. So this morning, we want to respond. Amen. So just take a minute. The band's going to play for a couple minutes because I want want some heart business to go on here, okay? They're going to play, and I want you to dialogue with God. Ask him about this. And we're going to have some people that are up here that want to pray with you, that want to agree with you, that want to maybe... We have some cloud cloud witness people that want to come up and speak heart to you on this issue. Because this morning, we're all going to leave joyful. We're going to leave joyful. We may have tears. We may have a lot of things. But what we are going to have with us, taken with us, to into our lives, into our days, into our weeks, into our eternities, is joy. It's joy this morning. So take a minute to respond and then please come forward and and, and get prayer and get prayer.
We'll agree with you. We'll help you smash some idols this morning. We'll breathe life in some of those places. Well, let me just say this. Jesus and the Lord will breathe life into those places, and we'll agree. We'll agree with him.